0: Hey, let's pray together. Would you bow your heads and and close your eyes with me? Lord, we we desire to be the change that we seek uh, to see in our country. Uh, We know that what you desire for us is not so much a, a Christian nation, but a nation that's filled with Christians. Those who are radically devoted to you, who are making a difference, one relationship at a time, changing our culture. And so, God, I pray that you would Use this time as we look into your word and and understand what it is to be the change that you've called us to be. So I pray you'll help me, Lord, to get out of the way that your word might be heard, not only heard, but applied into every life. And so we are your children. We are listening. And we will obey as you speak. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Hey, I'm not the only one that knows that uh, America is walking through, our nation's walking through a, a challenging season. Um, I don't know that we've been more polarized, uh, at least politically, than, uh, than we've been uh, in this past year or so. Of course, we have, uh, we have a, a president that's a polarizing figure, uh, which, which can create quite the divide. This is not something that's brand new. I know it's been going on for some time, But if you're like me, you feel like we're kind of walking through a storm. Uh, Now, I suppose every year, to some degree, we could talk about the challenges in our nation. But today, I want us to focus our hearts on what I believe is the essential ingredient for a nation to turn its heart to God. And it happens that by His providence, we find ourselves uh, at the fifth command of the ten. And I want you to go ahead and grab your Bible I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, we, We have seen in recent days, while you're turning there, I just want to say that I've seen a lot of Christians in recent days, we've seen Christian leaders even, enter into a kind of Christian nationalism that is neither biblical, and I could argue, nor American. And at best, it's a syncretism of faith and politics. At worst, it's nationalistic idolatry to believe that it's going to be politics or a political leader that's ultimately going to bring the needed change in our culture. You know you've entered into, you've slipped to, and by the way, this is a very insidious thing. I just want to challenge this for a moment before we get to the text here, but it's a very sneaky thing, as idolatry is. None of us would claim, yes, I'm an idolater. But you know you've slipped into it if you think That the agent of change that God's going to use is the government and not the church. When you've come to believe that a political leader or party is going to bring about the social change necessary in a country apart from or, or more than the church. Can I get a little more personal? If you watch more news that's often about politics, you watch especially cable news, if you watch more of that, read more of that, then you read your Bible or spend time praying for your own heart and the heart of a nation, you've slipped into at least a syncretism, if not idolatry. I've seen people who are more passionate about a political position and defending their partisan side, if you will, than they are passionate about defending the gospel and advancing the cause of Christ. That's a problem in our nation. That's why many unbelievers see evangelicals as simply, or the church, Christians broadly, as a voting block instead of the people of God who are seeking to change the world one person at a time. And our revolution is one of love. It's the gospel advancing in our communities, in our nation, and, and what, I, what I feel like we need in our day is to get back to the Word of God. I, I just want to proclaim it today. The hope of our nation is not found in politics. It's not found in Washington. The hope for our nation is found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone, and this is why we gather today. As Stephen noted, we're ready for tonight. We're excited. We're red, white, and blue. I'm as patriotic as the next guy. I can't wait for Wednesday. Let me tell you what I'm doing on Wednesday. might be the most amazing, patriotic day of my life. I'm going to see the Texas Rangers play. I'm taking, I'm taking my family. They're playing the, the Houston uh, Astros, by the way. So this is a Texas American. It's, 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 hot do- it's dollar night with the hot dogs. I mean, and the Air Force, it's Air Force Day. My, my dad, Stacy's dad, both in the Air Force. I think we're going to have a flyover. We're going to be singing the National Anthem. We're going to watch some baseball. Come home, eat some apple pie. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> I mean, I love this time of year, and I love what's happening this week. We celebrate the Founding Fathers. We celebrate the freedom we have to be here today. But right now, we are walking through a storm. We're walking through a storm, and when, you, when you're walking through a storm, well, frankly, you need an umbrella, so I thought I'd bring an umbrella today, <laughs> and I know I've already been told, you know, that, that you know, superstition tells us this is bad luck. Well, I don't believe in luck or superstition, so we're okay. Um, when you, when, and here's what, I, last, this past week, I was with our students, and we were talking about um, God's protection over us, right? And we've talked about this in the Ten Commandments. That God gives us all of his commands for our protection and for provision. See, the Ten Commandments are given, not, see, a lot of, a lot of folks think God is this cosmic killjoy, all the thou shalt nots. And we're going to get to, by the way, the second one that tells us what to do, not what not to do. But when we look at God, and many unbelievers say, man, God just doesn't want us to have any fun. But here's the truth. Every negative command God gives us are for two positive reasons. One to protect us and one to provide something better for us. So I did a session with our students, an optional seminar that many of them came to on sex and dating. I said, okay, how about this one? God says don't have sex outside of marriage. Why is that? They gave me all kinds of reasons to protect us and to provide something better. But here's what we're we're teaching our students, and every one of us need to hear today, is God gives us his protection over us through our parents. And I told our kids, if you get out from under God's protection of your parents, you're going to get wet. God says, I am the ultimate authority. There's a higher authority than parents, and parents are under God's authority, and then children are to live under the authority of their parents. And somebody might say, well, what if, what if your parents aren't honorable? What if they don't seek the Lord? Listen, God says to honor your parents. And, in, and only if they tell you that it's something explicitly going against the will of God, against Scripture, then you are to obey them. And so today I want to talk about this authority that God's given us because it's so important, and I believe it is. We seek revival in the land. It's going to start in the home. Because even before government, how about this, before the church was the home. And God tells us in the fifth commandment that we're to honor our father and our mother. Making y'all nervous, so I'll put this down over here. Um, And now you can see me. Uh, America is going through a storm right now. And the only way that we're going to see God bless America as we sing about that or pray towards that this week is if we will recognize that God has promised only to bless a nation that recognizes his authority and will come under that authority. And so we can, we can talk about him blessing our nation all day long, but until we as his people turn and find ourselves under the authority of his word, uh, we're not gonna see God bless our nation. But we've noted that his commands are for our good. Now, the, fourth, uh, the, the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. We've talked about that. Maybe you know that. The latter six have to do with our relationships with one another. And this one is the hinge point. And there's a reason for this. And again, it's the one commandment where he says actually to do something. Now, the, the, the previous one, if you are here last week, or if you know the fourth commandment, it's what? Anybody remember that one? It's to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, think about this. Those two are, are, are inextricably linked together. Look at this right in the middle of the Ten Commandments, keep the Sabbath holy, honor your father and your mother. And parents, I I just want to say this. For all of you who are here, who bring your kids on a regular basis to church, and, and you don't allow them, sorry kids, to decide whether you're going to go to church or not, I honor you. We praise God for you. Parents, as we're going to see today, need to take their parental role. Kids don't need more more peers they have peers they need parents and parents guide their children to worship god it's not a decision that's made by the children and we need more i'm seeing this is why i'm addressing this we we see you know well my kids don't really like you know when I, no they don't get up that early are you kidding me you're the parent Be the parent. And so here's what it says. Exodus 20, chapter 12. Let's all say this together. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this is where all of life and relationships begin. Again, notice before government, even before the church, we have the home. There's no more practical command Uh, that we could look at and and, and preach on than this one today. This singular command. Imagine that. This singular command would bring transformative change into our culture and into our country. One nation under God only happens if we have one family under God. If the family is under God, then, then then the whole nation will turn. And watch this. God's authority is first experienced under, the again, the authority of the parents. And so I, I want us to, to talk about this. The Bible tells us that we're not to be anxious about anything, but in everything we come with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving to God. And the peace of God that surpasses our understanding will guard our hearts, what we feel. We'll guard our minds, what we think. And when we come to the Lord, but many of us are anxious about our country. And many of us are anxious when we watch the news. And again, I'd I'd say spend more time praying, spend more time in the Word than you do watching cable news about politics. It'll make you crazy. Because you know this, it's designed to polarize. They get the craziest Christian they can find, and then they get uh, the, the craziest politicians, and they just go at it because we're intrigued by that. But if you're not careful, we start to wonder, is God really in control? And this is why I think some Christian leaders are misled to say, if we can just just take over, all right, co-opt with the government, then we might just advance the gospel. Can you imagine Paul wringing his hands, saying, man, if we just had the right emperor on the throne in Rome, we just might be able to accomplish the Great Commission. No way. In fact, he was... He was in a, an oppressive situation. You know this, that there was a day when Jesus is Lord was a political statement. You're saying, not the emperor. Christ is Lord of my life. And it led to capital punishment under Roman rule. Our brothers and sisters, our ancient brothers and sisters stood up against oppressive government. Now some people, I'm hearing even in our day, Saying that, well, we, we have an oppressive government. We have, a, we have a totalitarian kind of a leader. Listen, he's just the president. What I mean is the president of the United States, praise God, has about one-tenth of the power of a totalitarian, author, author, authoritarian uh, dictator. And so we, we, we don't have that kind of government. There's no way that that's going to happen. And praise God for the founders of our nation, the Founding Fathers, who were able to craft, to hammer out a constitution that said there's a separation of church and state. And we can, we can live in this country and be free, one nation under God, as we all worship Him. But look at what it says in Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. Proverbs 8:15 it says this. Through Him the King rules, and leaders bring forth laws. He is sovereign over the nations. The world's rulers are pawns regarding the hand of God. Psalm 22 verse 28 says, The kingdom belongs to the Lord and he rules the nations. You see, we have we've fallen. We know that sin has impacted all countries and all people across the globe. And God is restoring what was lost in Eden. And he's going to do it through the family. So again, he says to us, honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Again, the second commandment, telling us something to do. Worship begins in the home. Notice that it says, uh, honor your father and your mother. Uh, Noting both of them, it doesn't say honor your father and mother. In fact, in Leviticus 19, verse 3, it has the mother first. Honor your mother and your father. It's saying both are to be honored. Notice, too, it doesn't say uh, love your father and your mother. Now, we'll talk about that a bit. I think to, to love them is to honor them, but he doesn't say love them. He says honor them. He doesn't say be nice to them. It doesn't even say primarily care for them. It says, it could, because here's the case. Listen, this is, not a, this is not an emotional decision. When I talk about parents, and I know today this can get tender for some of us, because some of us have had not had loving parents, or maybe we're estranged from our parents, or maybe there are real challenges and conflict in your home right now. It doesn't say that you simply get along with your parents. This is not an emotional decision. This is a choice of the will that makes all the difference. The word honor, kabed, in the Hebrew, it means weight. It means that this is a weight. They, your parents have weight. There's density here. This is significant. This word is often used when we talk about the glory of God. Doxa in the Greek, glory. Kabed means weight. We're to honor them as a weighty presence. And yes, honoring them means that we love them. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about what it is to honor your father and your mother. And I want to define it at different phases of life so it'll hit all of us, okay? So we can all apply this passage or this commandment to our lives i love this first of all we honor our parents by obeying them okay so i want to talk about children i want to talk about young adults and i want to talk about then as adults and we're going to walk through this and each of us can find ourselves here children how do you honor your parents you obey them Uh, Ephesians 6 Paul says oh children obey your parents we see this throughout scripture children will learn to trust and obey God when they learn to trust and obey their parents and parents are the ones who make certain this happens and again I I could talk a long time about this Stacy often and I talk about a parent-centered family up against a child-centered family And more and more we see child-centered families, children calling the shots, children determining the schedule, children uh, deciding on what they were never meant to decide. They're not in position to do so. They're not warranted to do so and not given a command by God to do so. Parents take the lead in the family. Parents know that the number one relationship in the home is the marriage relationship. And what we've seen, when mom and dad love each other, it brings such great security to the children, which is the first thing you need, safety and security, emotional safety and security, so that the kids can flourish in a safe environment, knowing that mom and dad love each other. And they're not going anywhere, but also knowing on a daily basis that is the primary relationship in the home, not the children. And sometimes we think, my kids come first. I hear well-meaning moms in particular. My kids are number one. No, they're not. First, God's number one, and your husband comes before them. Parents honor God by teaching their children how to obey. And as they do, a younger generation follows, and they emulate this, right? So children obey your parents. Secondly, I want to talk to young adults for a minute. You honor your parents by leaving them, Right. <laughs> If you have not yet done that, or parents, you know this, if your kids aren't gone when it's time to go, you have not parented well. Now, I get it. I, I understand there's seasons where kids come back into the home or they need some help there for a moment. Or, yeah, I understand that. But it's interesting. I, you know, a lot of, There's much being said about this you know, millennials. Um, now, of course, we're on to Gen Z. I mean, that's who I was with at camp this summer, I mean this week. Um, but the millennials, 15% of all millennials now live with their parents. Um, and we were, we were busting on Gen X, the generation before them. That was 10%. That number's on the rise. Uh, compared to, this is interesting, the silent generation back in 1964, when they were the same age, only 8% lived at home. They, they would get to a certain age and they would leave. We're, we're seeing more and more kind of come back around. Your parents, I just want to say this to our young adults, your parents' investment, which is huge, finally bears fruit when you leave. <laughs> when you go and you get your own job, right? The breakdown is often, though I would say, uh, 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 on the on the parents, because here, here's the thing: parents, listen. Self confidence, self esteem. You know, there's there's been a real season of building self esteem into our children and self confidence. That doesn't come simply because you're telling them how awesome they are. Everybody gets a trophy. That's that's not how... They they build self-confidence. Yes, affirmation and encouragement is critical coming from parents into the lives of children. But they build responsibility by becoming responsible. When a child says, I can do that, because they were given a task, they were given responsibility, and self-confidence grows, and young adults... born don't make your parents listen do all the heavy lifting young adults work hard if you're in college study if you're in school study hard get a job leave right and 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 you can continue this great relationship with your parents but I just want to challenge you as an adult young adult uh, do all that you can to honor your parents by honoring all they've done for you. Launch, all right? And how about this? For, for the for the adults in the room, uh, we honor our parents by caring for them, all right? We, we honor them and we care for them because honor and care go together. Call them, stay close to them. How many have parents that live outside of Dallas? I'm curious. How many have parents that live outside of Dallas? How many are in Dallas? How many have parents in Dallas? You, yeah. See, y'all are the blessed ones. I wish my mom... Lived here uh, in in Dallas she's in North Carolina and I told her this morning I was preaching on honoring parents and how much I love her I praise God for my parents my mom who is constant prayer warrior encouragement in my life but call them if they're not nearby stay close to them uh, serve them visit them bring special honor to your parents care for them emotionally and spiritually care for them physically and I would say if you need to care for them financially we often think it's the other way around but you know there's a place where Jesus says in, in Mark 7 he's talking to the Pharisees and he rebukes them because they're not taking care of their parents financially there's a, there's a time when we need to provide perhaps even for our aging parents let us care for our parents many have noted that the American culture Could learn a lot from other cultures around the world, honoring those who were older. And by the way, this is the longest season of your life, this adult period, where you're loving and caring for and honoring your parents. And then finally, we honor our parents by forgiving them. None of us are perfect parents, and none of us have had perfect parents. And again, this can be a rather tender moment. What I've learned with many who are estranged from their parents, uh, there's often a need for forgiveness. Some of you, maybe your parents aren't alive anymore. Maybe you've been hurt deeply. In fact, I'd argue there's no deeper wound than a parent wound. And some of us struggle with this. But what I've learned in talking to people and helping folks, trying to help people forgive another... I think it's important to talk about what forgiveness is not. That's been helpful for me, I think. Forgiveness does not mean that what you did to me is okay. Forgiveness does not mean that now I'm okay. Some of us have been wounded in ways that may uh, just impact us for the rest of our lives. The, the fact that you've, you've hurt me or, or that I'm going to forgive you doesn't mean that, that I say what you have done is all right. Maybe what you've done will never be all right. Because it was was wrong. Forgiving doesn't always mean reconciliation. If if it's a, a, a toxic relationship or if there's physical abuse or emotional, any kind of abuse, you don't go back into that relationship thinking, well, I forgive them. Now I'll finally forgive them. It doesn't always mean reconciliation. You need help with that, some wisdom. It does mean that you release them to God. It means that you trust that he is the gracious and loving judge, not you. And it also means you have forgiven them when you're able to pray blessings upon them, knowing that it it is his kindness that leads to repentance. If you can pray for God to bless them, you have released them. If you can truly do that, to release your parents. But we praise God for our parents. And uh, if you're like me, You're so thankful today for those who have been honorable and have brought you up in the Lord. So let's let's close with this thought. There's a promise. You know, Paul talks about how this is the one command that actually uh, comes with a promise. Do you see it there? It says that you will live long, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, this is often misunderstood. This doesn't mean that, that... This is not a command, again, to a single person or to a single family. These commands are given. These are national commandments. This is given to a nation, to a people. These commandments are given in community. And then a lot of people think, well, if if I honor my parents, then I'm going to live. I'll be like really old when I die. That's not what it's saying either. What it is saying is that this is a command, a promise of preservation. And so this is to a people, and look what it means. It's this. The promise is that the family will be preserved. See, dishonoring parents and parents who are dishonorable is the breakdown of the family, we've noted, and it is the breakdown of a nation. Every nation that topples, it all begins in the home. This is true in America. Not only that, its religious traditions will be preserved. It's the nation's. Religious traditions will be... The the nation will maintain a God-honoring heritage. And again, this is parents who continue to teach their children. The primary discipleship group that you have is in the home. And you're diligent to bring your children uh, to church, to be involved in the ministries of the church. You're passing on. You're preserving religious tradition, if you will. Heritage. It's the gospel advanced to one generation to the next. And next, its beliefs will be preserved, right? As the parents obey God, they pass that on to their children clearly. And the children learn to trust God and pass that on to the next generation. And then finally, the civilization will long endure. That's what he's talking about here. The breakdown of the family is the guarantor of a breakdown of a nation. And it will cease. So God says, honor your father and your mother and you will live a purposeful, healthy, productive, this is what it is to be prosperous in the land. If a culture is to survive long in the land, it'll be because there's a glad connection between generations. And I want to say that here. We have an incredible opportunity as a church, cross-generational. Looking across this room right here, we have a vibrant young, you know, children's ministry, youth ministry, all of the above, our young adults I mean, just married is probably the fastest growing uh, area in our church. We have a vibrant senior adult ministry. We've got to come together and continue to love each other and for our older people to come alongside younger ones who need to be discipled and guided and led. What a beautiful picture we have to pass the gospel on to the next generation. And what a glad connection we have. In our church family, if you're not a member, you need to know that. It's an incredible thing and rather unique, uh, even here in Dallas. So all of this starts in the home. And it means that we honor one another. The younger here, even in the church, we honor the older, the elder. We honor their wisdom. We listen well. But it also means that older ones of us are constantly investing, able to change able to move to reach the next generation, empowering young leaders to rise up and take on leadership roles within the church. So, honor your father and your mother first by obeying them, by leaving them, by caring for them, and by forgiving them. And as we land, let's consider the fact that none of us have have done this perfectly. In fact, I'm certain that all the way down the line, I have failed at every point. But I'm grateful today that Jesus did not. You think about Christ. You know, there was a time when he, 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 he couldn't be found by his parents. You remember when he was a child? In his childhood stage of life, they came after him and said, What are you doing? He said, I'm about my father's business. They said, Come with us. We've been looking for you for a couple of days. Get over here. And he said, Yes, ma'am, to his mom. And he followed. He obeyed his parents. And we know that would be the case for him. As a young adult, he left his parents. He entered into what God had called him to do. And then even as an adult, while he's dying on the cross, he's taking care of his mom. Think about that. John, this is your mom, mom, your son. Implying, because in that culture it was known. He is now taking care of you as a son would do. He's caring for his mom, even in his final days. And then, of course, he's the one who makes forgiveness possible. He's the one who tells us to forgive as he has forgiven us. That we would forgive, and maybe today, in the midst of all that's been said, maybe today is a day for you to release your parents, or maybe to forgive someone else. That you need to forgive, and you need to move on, knowing that Christ has forgiven you. But, of course, none of this can happen until you enter into that relationship with him. And so I want to challenge you to enter into the one family that has a perfect father. The one family that, that, that has God the Father right at the center, guiding and leading and loving us to become all that we've been created to be. I love what Jesus says, John 17, You can see it there. It says, I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. He's saying what happens here, Father, just as God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have this Trinitarian uh, loving relationship, this Trinitarian dance, he invites us into that, that we be at home in him and that our hearts that are restless would find rest in him. And so I'm encouraging you today to come home. Come home. You know, the beauty of the week is that we all as Americans get to celebrate that America is our home. It's the land of the free. It's the home of the brave. And we praise God for all that he's done. But I want to encourage you, friend, if you've never received Christ, John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this, but to all who did receive him, All who have, who have believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, once you receive Christ, he comes into your heart, and I'm challenging you today to come home. Come home under the loving protection of God. Because here's the thing if you've never received Christ, then you're not forgiven. You have not yet entered into that relationship with him. You don't have protection from death and hell and the punishment that comes to those who reject Christ. But under his protection, he provides to you the life that he created you to live. And so I want us to just close our time in prayer. And I want to just ask you to close your eyes, bow your heads with me. And I want us to to consider, I want you to consider... What God has said to you today? What is he he saying to you? And how will you obey? What will you do as a result of this message? Perhaps for you it is to obey your parents. Perhaps it it, it is to to leave, to, to continue to press forward into school or into work and to honor them by doing what they've sought to do all along, and that is to release you into the world. Maybe it is to care for them in a way that's greater than what you have done. What are you going to do? And maybe it's to forgive, to forgive your parents, or parents to forgive a wayward child, maybe to forgive a friend, a brother, a family member. Perhaps today you need to receive the forgiveness of Christ. You need to come home. Come home to a family. Perhaps it's come home to this family to join this fellowship. All of us who seek to follow the one Father, our great God, and the head of our church, Jesus Christ himself. Friend, if you've never received Christ, you can do so now. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin." I ask that you would forgive me, God. Thank you for forgiving me. I give you my life in response so that I might worship you with my life. So, Lord, be our focus, be our vision for life. That we be the people you've called us to be. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.